Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on Facebook and YouTube. And we are joined uh, this week by Donna Cromines, who contributed an essay about the Danvers sisters in a book titled Girl of Steel, Essays on Television, Supergirl, and Fourth Wave Feminism. Uh, welcome back to uh, Supergirl Radio, Donna. You've, you've been with us before, and you're back to, to talk about uh, your new book. So welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored you guys uh, asked me back. I, it's uh, It's been a while. Yeah, so I, we're, we're kind of making it a goal this summer uh, during the hiatus to, to feature people in the Supergirl fandom who are doing some cool stuff. So uh, your, your, your contribution to the book is definitely one of those things, and so we're excited to talk to you today. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about is, uh, well, are, are the Dan- is the Danvers sisters. Are the Danvers sisters? Are are because yeah. it's plural, right? right. We're going to be talking about the Danvers sisters. <laughs> sisters, sisters, plural is yes, are. yes. Yeah. Um, uh, because uh, you enjoy the Danvers sisters, and they have a Danvers sisters T-shirt on, which is very fun. Nice. Um, <laughs> oh, they're so cute. They are so cute. Uh, so I know you have a big passion for that dynamic on the show, and of course, I think we all do. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to speak on behalf of all Supergirl you fans. You can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, most fans really enjoy the uh, the Car and Alex dynamic. So we're going to be talking about that um, in this week's episode of Supergirl Radio. So uh, my first question, Donna, is how did you get involved in this book? How did you get involved in, in writing for it? Um, about, uh, I'm, I was trying to remember this afternoon. It was either two or three years ago. Uh, one of my colleagues at Spoiler TV, and if people don't know, I do reviews and editorials and um, articles and things for SpoilerTV.com. And one of the shows that I write about often is Supergirl. One of my colleagues was approached by one of the editors that they were putting together the book and would she be interested? And she gave them my name and they reached out to me and I had to write um, a proposal to see if it would be accepted in the book, which was pretty intimidating, but I did. And then it took, uh, when they accepted the proposal and said, go ahead and and write, you had to write, I think it was like a 10,000 word essay. And I did, uh, started doing some research. It took about six to eight months doing the research and actually writing the article, then submitting it along the way for review. And then 
editing. And then there was another, it took another year because there were, I believe there were about 11 or 12 other contributors to the book because it's a, it's a collection of essays uh, published by McFarland Press, which is an academic press actually. And if you look in the contributor bios, uh, it's myself and one other contributor who are the only contributors who are not uh, acad academicians, uh, PhDs or educators or teachers or whatever. There's me and one other, uh, one other person who writes about Supergirl or pop culture. And uh, oddly enough, our essays are in the same chapter. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, just because... Just just because you don't have that PhD doesn't mean you, you don't know something about Supergirl. Yeah. Well, like I said, I did. And I had to, I mean, you, I mean, and it's, it's, it's very much an academic tone that they took with the book in that it each, each essay has a, a, a bibliography and footnotes and all this. I felt like I was back in high school. <laughs> I noticed, I noticed the bibliography and the footnotes because I noticed uh, two familiar faces in there. Uh, Teresa Giacino and Carly Lane were quoted, which I thought was really awesome. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So we had some Supergirl radio representation on there. Well, good, good, good. Well, like I said, it, it was, there was a lot of research out there when, when I accepted in the, the title of my essay is, um, Sisterhood of Steel, the power behind, uh, let me, let me read the official title because the official title isn't exactly what I titled it. But the Sisterhood of Steel, the powerful bond that is the heart of the CW Supergirl. I like it. And what I focused on was not only that the, the bond between the sisters on screen was powerful, but I found evidence and, and cited instances and things where you found that the actresses had created a powerful bond. And... I make the assertion in the essay that one would not work without the other. Uh, that leads into my next question. Uh, so why, why, why do you personally love the Danvers sisters? What draws you to their connection? Is it because the actresses play so well on screen together? Or is it because the characters and history? What, what is it that draws you to those characters? It's, it, it's a little bit of all of the above. I think what, appealed to me too is that I'm the youngest of three sisters so that sister dynamic and seeing it played so well and so accurately and not stereotypically that I it really reached me and there was I mean I was a Supergirl fan and I was as excited as everybody when the when the show was announced and the pilot aired and all and there was one minute in that pilot that kind of took me aback and I went, whoa, this is, this is more than just superhero. This is family. This is the sister dynamic. Because a lot of times in TV and, and TV shows and things like that, you see the sisters that are, you know, they're either catty or they're fighting or they're backstabbing or what have you. And these are, here were two sisters two sisters who were strong women on their own, but had this wonderful dynamic on screen. And that, that drew me to it. And that moment in the pilot, um, and, and I mean, I write about it in the book. I, I tell about it. Anytime I talk to anyone that'll listen to me about the Danvers sisters, 
Um, but in the in the pilot, there's um, Supergirl's feeling dejected that that you don't need me, and Alex comes to her with her mother's glyph thing that had the message from her mother, and Kara's standing there turns it on and her mother pops up and she's listening to it. And you see Alex sort of start to step away to let Kara talk to her mother because she knows how important that was to her. And the camera, the director, whoever chose to do this shot has my eternal gratitude because at that moment you see Alex start to back away to leave Kara and her mother. And Kara reaches down and takes her hand and the camera lingers on their linked hands. And that to me is telling me, you know, this sisterhood, this is something special. Yeah, that's, they continued to prove it throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, that's a great moment, especially when you think of how like the show has gone back before we get to that moment with Midvale and episodes like that, where we see the progression of their, uh, their relationship. And uh, so it's neat to see how they, they sort of started becoming sisters and, and what led to, to that moment in the pilot. Um, so Morgan, I'm curious, uh, why do you love the, you've written about the Danver sisters. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so why, why do you think that their uh, dynamic is a good one on the show? Yeah. I just think that it's the, it's kind of the heart of the show really is that dynamic between Kara and Alex. I think that's established, like Donna said, in the pilot where, you know, they have all these moments like Kara becomes Supergirl to save Alex. And I think it's, it's really interesting to watch their dynamic. It's so good. The actors play so well off of each other, but also both characters grow. I feel like every time they're in scenes together. And that, so that's why I like watching them if it's on the couch and sort of talking about their day, or if it's having like really tough conversations, like in season two, when Alex came out, I think that there's so much good stuff between the two of them. And it really highlights both of their individual characters when they're in scenes together. It's not like some of the other like interactions where it's, about a love interest or something it's always about you know how these two characters are like what there is going on with with them personally and like how they're growing yeah i know donna wrote in her essay about the for the girl who uh for the girl who has everything i was trying to remember the exact title uh of that one um but that one to me is like my favorite uh danver sisters episode because to me that em embodies like supergirl has um, a sister who is so, uh, you know, uh, not attached, but is so connected to her and um, that their, their bond is so strong. And so I always enjoy seeing um, those, those kinds of uh, dynamics play out on the show. So I'm going to bring up some um, comments from folks in the chat. Uh, Leslie says, I'm an only child and I always wanted a sister and to have a relationship like Alex and Kara. And uh, let's see, there was also some other things in here. Uh, Kenny says that's one of, his top 20, oh, top 20 moments. Oh, Kenny, I'd be interested in what the other 19 moments are that you have in your top 20 from <laughs> uh, uh, from Supergirl so, uh, season five, no, from the five season run of Supergirl so far. Um, let's see, Ellie, uh, Ellis, I guess, is, uh, yeah. hope I hope I didn't uh, mispronounce. Uh, I love what Donna is describing because Alex and Cara really chose each other's sisters and chose to make their families each other's families. That's a really good uh, point. And uh, that sort of leads into my next question. So thank you for the segue there, uh, Ellis, in the chat. <laughs> um, so you also mentioned in your essay that um, the adoption factor plays into their relationship. So what do you think it is um, about the adoption aspect of Cara and Alex that, that's so important to their dynamic? 
I think it's the fact that it, just like Ellis said, it is that they chose each other. They, um, you know, they were both thrust into a situation where neither one of them were happy about it to begin with, as we saw in Midvale. You know, Cara didn't want, Cara wanted to use her powers. Alex was a 15 year old teenager that, you know, by the time we saw Midvale, her father was gone. Her father, who was probably her closest confidant or friend at the time. And uh, suddenly, <coughs> excuse me, to have it thrust upon her, then her mother saying, well, you have to watch out for her. You have to take care of her. And Alex is going, why me? You know, but then we see, and that's why I loved it. That first moment that when we talked about them grasping hands in a pilot. And I loved it that in uh, season four, when we went to, and it's not everybody's favorite storyline, but I loved, I loved what they did with it, with the mind wipe. But there was a there was an, a scene in season four when they're sitting in Red Daughter's apartment and they're talking about Alex says, you don't know what it's like. You don't have a sister. And, and Supergirl says, I do. And Alex sits down and she reaches out and takes her hand and and they make that connection there. And that's when I really believe Alex began remembering that they make that connection there just like they did in the pilot and they brought it full circle. That's a good way to uh, look at that scene and that storyline, which admittedly is not one of <laughs> Supergirl Radio's favorite. Wasn't our favorite, but lines. yeah, I did. I, that's a, a good scene to highlight, I think. Well, it reset. I think that storyline reset the dynamic. It there was only so far that they could go. They had to do something to shake it up, and they try. They chose to do something a little unconventional. Yeah. Well, did it, I mean, and I don't, I, and, and I'm with y'all. I don't like the way they did some things, but I like the way they did other things in the in the storyline. And yes, I know Rebecca, you and you don't like take the grass, and I, I totally get it. Actually, I think we love take the grass. <laughs> I, I think all it's the become, wrong reason. I think I think take the grass has become like an all time iconic line <laughs> of the show. Uh, well, I, I think you make a good point, though, about Red Daughter and Alex, because one of the things I did like about that storyline uh, was that they gave Red Daughter and Alex. Yeah. And, and Alex was um, uh, something, you know, Alex, Red Daughter's Alex was Lex Luthor, but her Alex was very important to her, just like uh, our Alex, Alex Danvers, was to our Supergirl. Um, so I thought that that was a clever way of... I, I don't know if they fully went to all of the um, the ultimate conclusions of that storyline that they could have, but I think the idea of that was really good. I like the idea of that. I think there were some missed opportunities. I would have loved to have seen more of Red Daughter as Kara interacting with our Alex and and to see that that, you know, Perhaps it was not as dire or um, what's the word I'm looking for, it, that it wasn't as um, corrupt, maybe, as as Lex had led her, her, Alex had led her to believe that this Alex, that bond is what showed her. I mean, you see, there's another prime example of that in probably my least favorite crossover is the Elseworlds crossover, but it had one of these great sister moments when Kara is talking to alternate Earth Alex 
and telling her my Alex and pinky swear and, and all of those things. And even though they were, you know, it was an alternate universe, Alex, that connection and that bond was still there. And I think that was a tribute again to Kyler and Melissa that their bond, that they sold that moment because of that. Yeah, they've done such a good job of building that relationship, even from the very beginning that you always care, or at least I do. I always care about what's going on with them. And uh, since we were sort of talking about Alex, uh, well, Alex and Lex, uh, Claudia, <laughs> Claudia makes a good point uh, that the Danvers sisters are such opposites to the Luther si uh, siblings. Uh, so Lex and Lena. Uh, so uh, Donna, do you have any thoughts about that, about um, sort of the the converse or the... Um, the opposite ends of the spectrum with the the Danvers sisters and the the Luthers on the show. There there are you know there are when you when you think about it there are some parallels because um, I forget the episode uh, House of L maybe where Lex tells her if he had praised Lena she would not have pushed herself and accomplished all the things that she would have. He motivated her that way. Whereas Alex motivates Kara other ways, in more positive ways. So it's it it's it was it is an interesting parallel, definitely. Obvious, uh, you know, aside from the obvious gender parallels, or or non parallels there. But, yeah, uh, and, but and they are, and they're and and Ellis makes a good point. The their likes and Lena are adoptive siblings too, but they didn't necessarily choose each other. <laughs> they certainly didn't and, and he didn't choose to allow lena to go off on all those horse rides but <laughs> I, it's more more important to say that she went off on those horse rides without him yeah not that, necessarily that a real she... sticking point <laughs> uh, so they do have their issues uh but yeah that's a cool point i never really thought about the um I never i mean i knew that there was an adoption angle with the luther uh siblings but i had never like that until we've had this conversation right here, that never really clicked in my mind um, to compare. Sibling, there's another sibling comparison that that I wish we had seen more of. And that's with uh, Mercy and Otis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why did they kill Mercy? Yes. Oh, I'll, I'll never get over that. <laughs> <laughs> Me either, because I would have liked to have seen, seen, they were setting it, there was a beautiful storyline to set up is the parallels between the siblings and and they you know they killed mercy way too early yeah i i agree four episodes in is too early way too so, early it's way too early i will say that supergirl definitely i think you know if there's one family pairing supergirl always goes to the well it's the sibling pairing because you know we have lena and lex we have alex and cara we had uh jean and his brother and um, james and kelly James and Kelly, we had uh, Nia and her sister. So right. like we've seen a lot of different um, sibling pairings over the, the various years. And I feel like, you know, every time we kind of see those pairings in in con contrast to, to Carr and Alex, which is usually like the good contrast. And then everybody else is like screaming at each other. <laughs> but uh, look, now look, but what I like too, though, is we both know Carr and Alex would, oh, we have a visitor. Carr oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Alex, their relationship is not all, you know, peaches and cream. They, they have their arguments and things too, 
But the bottom line is when it comes down to it, they would, you know, die for each other and, and have come close to it in both of them. Alex telling James in For the Girl Who Has Everything, either I come back with my sister or I don't come back at all. And then Kara literally dying in Red Dawn. You know, so it, um, it it's it's interesting dynamics to to see all of those sibling pairings, but but you know, family makes good drama. But all through the time, you know, they've had arguments. Alex, I cannot tell you how much I stood up and cheered in season two, the second episode, I believe, where Cara talks about going to Metropolis. And Alex unloads on her like, I did this. I gave up medical school. I gave up my dad. I gave up this for you to go and dump me to go play with Clark. You know, uh, -uh. you know, that was the first time. And I think I mentioned that in the book. That was the first time Alex stood up for herself. Yeah, and Kenny actually brought that up about how Clark was not around to see Kara when she was a teenager and and the bond that grew between Kara and Alex. And that's always been sort of a sticking point with Superman fans that I've noticed that uh, a lot of Superman fans don't like that in the comics, that's what happens in the Silver Age. Superman uh, discovers this right. girl who turns out to be from Krypton and she is his cousin. They find out, oh, our fathers are brothers. So who knew? And then he goes and dumps her off at an orphanage. <laughs> and then he tells her, hey, you can't show your superpowers until I tell you that you're ready to do it. And she will, uh, in the Silver Age, not get adopted because he says it's not time yet. So there are some uh, things. It's so brutal. It's so, <laughs> it's so, it's so tough uh, to read. Uh, but that's that's been kind of that dynamic with Superman and Supergirl in the comics. And so they they didn't go all the way with that on the show, but they sort of did. And Alex got really defensive, I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, that she she sort of stuck up for that and said, hey, Clark, you know, kind of just dropped you off at our house and he abandoned you. Uh, so I was glad they they mentioned that on the show. And they've been good about about moments like that. I and and for example, the way that they modified or or adapted for the for the man who has everything, you know, the way they told that story was was and and essentially turning that into a sister story, and made it you know a beautiful. I mean, that's one of the, that's going to be you know one of when they years later when we're talking about this show, that's going to be one of the you know the classic episodes that people will talk about. If I'm honest, it's actually better than the comic. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, shots fired! I'm just saying. It hey, makes. I'm staying out of that one. <laughs> it, it makes more sense because in the comic, you know, Cal Clark he did not experience Krypton, and so for Kara to go back there and experience a, a culture that she knew about, that means something more. So I personally it's, it's prefer only, it. The only version of that I was familiar with was the Justice League Unlimited version where it was Superman, it was his birthday, and Wonder Woman and Batman show up at the, the Fortress of Solitude, and he's got the black mercy on him. And he he's remembering a Krypton where he's married there with Lois, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so they, they yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it played so much better on the show, I'm just going to be honest. I, it, uh. I'm not going <laughs> to argue with you, because it's nope. my favorite character, so. <laughs> uh, we do have a question, so... Uh, 
we sort of briefly talked about Alex and Jeremiah, which is a a big um, point of controversy on here on Supergirl Radio. We we, we like (laughs) to talk about this aspect of the show quite a bit. Uh, it was a big uh, a cliff, well, not a cliffhanger, but a big turning point in the season when, when we found out what happened to Jeremiah Danvers uh, off screen. I should remind everybody. Uh, but Leslie writes, uh, what did you think about Alex ripping in the car about Jeremiah's death uh, before Alex became super Alex? So how, how did you think they, the show handled uh, the death of Jeremiah Danvers in relation to Car and Alex? In relation to Car and Alex? Um well, I'm just going to start off by saying the acting in that scene was off the charts and start there. Um, were Alex's arguments founded? I can see her side of it. I can see them making it at 15 being made to the responsibility of this, this sort of, you know, unearthly golden child and they, who got all of her parents' attention. So I can buy it. I mean, I, look, Alex, that whole episode was Alex taking Alex through, I think, what is it, seven stages of grief? And that was anger and denial. And and she, and when we're grieving or when we're angry like that, we lash out at the person we love or care about the most. And Cara was there, and Cara took the brunt of it. Now, that being said, I don't know, you know, we didn't get to see those things about Jeremiah not talking to her or Jeremiah focusing on Cara, other than giving Cara the glasses, uh, that kind of thing. So maybe if we'd had a little more context, do you mean if we actually saw Jeremiah on the show? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in the jungle all those years. <laughs> no, no. I do, I do like how they kind of saved themselves of, of that by with the with the Eve Tessmacher twist. That, that that did save it for me. For me that's, personally, that's, I was like, all right, that's fine. I'm on this ride now. I'm back I'll, on the ride. I'll buy this now because because <laughs> trust me, when it, when Jeremiah came back and that whole storyline, and that you know that gives us another iconic moment of of Kara stopping the spaceship from going into space with Alex's hand on the window, and them using the red tornado music at the time, you know. That's going to go down as a, you know, as a big moment. It's hard. It's hard. It's tough to beat that one. It's, yeah, it's that's, tough. That's, to, that's, it's that's it's really moment. tough to beat that one. But it, it, you know, I personally had this entire other scenario written about how Jeremiah's story would end. That would have given him, you know, two seasons worth of angst. But I, I think we'd like to hear it. <laughs> would you pitch it to yeah, us? Yeah. We pitch a lot of stories on this podcast. None of them come true. My theory was that, you know, when Jeremiah comes back and, and they did do what I expected, that they made him part of Cadmus. But I, my theory was he was going to, at some point, be at the brink of killing one sister or the other in some fashion. And the other sister would have to kill their father to save the sister. Ooh, that's angsty. 
Yeah, and you could have done, you know, you could have done two seasons worth of angst on that one. I mean, well, well they are they already kind of did that with Astra a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But I mean, you know, think about it. The the father she had longed for all those years would Alex have really killed him to save Kara? And and we know Kara. I think we know Kara would have have done it to save Alex. I mean, she's she's shown that time and again, but it just the idea of the angst that that would have caused, the guilt that you know one of them would have had having to kill their father. You know, I mean, they covered a little bit of that with Astra, and and you know, and gives us that great space family moment. You know, but. It, they could have done so much with that storyline if they had gone in that direction. It was, it was, um, I, I wasn't thrilled with the way, you know, he disappeared to begin with the second time after <laughs> Alex blew up Lillian's thing. And then he fights the cyborg Superman and then we don't see him again. Mm-mm. They were, they were never going to stop looking for him. And then they stopped looking for him immediately. <laughs> exactly. You know. Well, that's an, that's an interesting uh, story proposition. I always w- sort of uh, pitched in my head, like a road trip scenario where car and Alex got in a, you know, yeah. some sort of like got in Jean's space car and like a road trip to find Jeremiah. Like that's what I would have done. But um, that's a, that's an interesting take, Donna. I appreciate that. Um, well, we do have some questions, so um, let me see if I can get to them here. Uh, let's see. Okay, so Ella says, uh, with Alex's change in employment at the end of this season, at the end of season five, how do you expect the sisters' relationship to evolve? Oh, I think it's going to be even stronger. I think for the first time, I, I was personally thrilled when Alex left the DEO because it opens up such storylines. Everything we know or have seen about Alex in her growth on the show has been tied to the DEO and protecting Kara. Now, for the first time, we have Alex out in the world finding out who she is. And their dynamic is going to go from, I think, they're now more, instead of Alex being a protector, is they're more partners or that they are working together. Like, like I loved when they went to um, talk to Kelly's friend and they were there as the sisters together. I loved that scene. It was just, yeah, I see. I, see <laughs> I love that scene because it was the Danvers sisters working together. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, any scene that those two are in together is golden. They will elevate it just so many levels because they do so much with it or so much little. And it's, it's like the evolution of their, their uh, sisterhood on the show and the evolution of the relationship with the actresses. I think they have, they are so comfortable in those characters and so comfortable in that relationship that they can add so much to a scene with just a look or uh, uh, maybe an ad-libbed comment or a touch, or just an action or emotion or something that you're thinking that wasn't scripted. You know, you can almost tell when they're scripted and when they're not. Morgan, what are your thoughts about um, 
Alex now that she has her new uh, super suit? <laughs> and how 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 do you think that's going to play into uh, the the new dynamic between Supergirl and this new Super Alex? I guess. That's funny because so after I answer, I really want to know what Donna thinks about um, Super Super Alex and her uh, super awesome uh, makeup. But uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I I just don't I don't know. I, I'm okay. I think to Donna's point, I am okay with Alex leaving the DEO. Like uh, clearly, we're never going to get Director Bones. <laughs> um, so okay, fine. Uh, like just just destroy the building then if i can't get director bones i want it gone uh, <laughs> but i am i'm excited for the story avenues that that opens for alex just because there were story avenues at the deo that the show seemed completely uninterested in them like pursuing like she was the head of the deo but we never really saw her adjusting to that we never saw her like struggling much with like what does it mean to be the boss of this whole organization um and they and never actually let her be the head of the they DEO. didn't let her be the head of, yeah she was the deo the head of the deo for like a second and then they gave her like five bosses just to <laughs> <laughs> so i was kind of i was kind of annoyed after that i was like okay well like here was a good opportunity for a storyline for her and she's not getting it and then i felt like this season like the deo really was like kind of a non-entity and then she left again and brainy became the head and i was like what whatever uh <laughs> so i'm 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 interested to see if they're like not interested in alex deo stories i'm interested to see what kind of it does kind of open up the fields of stories that you can tell with alex because when she was at the the deo it was a lot of deo stories you know so it was like oh now she's now she's the head of the deo now she's kind of not the head of the deo and um i'm excited without her being in the deo like what kind of alex danvers stories can we get like and that's i guess part of that part of the reason why i'm not super excited for her to be uh whatever super alex's code name is gonna be like uh eyeshadow or whatever um <laughs> that's because... actually a good name right oh my god it's eyeshadow <laughs> she's, she's come to save the day it's so blue so uh so brave oh, um, I, I personally like the uh the the streak oh interesting the the, the, the streak is uh the streak was what made me laugh but, the most but definitely here, but here's the thing in all the interviews they did before they revealed that and when they revealed that and I, i'm going you know i had a real problem with them calling alex a vigilante yeah i, I just that doesn't fit i mean yeah alex is kick ass and and she'll you know kick butt and take names and and all of that but Alex is, they forget, Alex is also a PhD and she's a highly intelligent woman. They forget that a lot. <laughs> and they forget that a lot. So here's an opportunity for her to, to do that in the tower, to her work with John as an investigator, mm -hmm. to her working with Kelly as an investigator, you know, going into the, into the virtual reality to save the guy that was trapped there. Um... Did I like the costume? I liked the costume. I wasn't crazy about the the makeup, but I forgave it because I saw a uh, an Instagram live that Kyler and her husband did right about that time. And she says that that really wasn't the finished product, that there was more to come with the costume that was in the episode that we did not get to see. 
So I'm wondering. And she also said that she had a great deal of input in designing the costume and designing the makeup and designing the hair because she did not want a mask and she didn't want to be Oliver Queen 2.0. Well, yeah. And so then, I'm willing then, then to. Why, then why the hood, though? That's, yeah, I know. That's kind I of know. like his main thing. Yeah. My my favorite was when Kelly was like, "I think maybe it's time for you to get out there with a mask." And and Alex was like, "Hold on, I got it." Alex pulled out her wet I and like wild, that. and she's like, but "I got the, this." <laughs> the thing was, was it what one or two episodes earlier? Kelly's having a nervous breakdown because Alex almost gets killed, and now she wants her to be a vigilante. They're you know, I, remarkably I, inconsistent with that relationship in a way that just blows my mind. I mean, I love the relationship. I yeah. love that it's a mature relationship and that they actually talk to one another and they 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 work together. I get that and I understand what I think they're trying to do. They need Alex to have some sort of role in the tower because everybody that's in the tower has a secret identity. So I get that. I just, um, like I said, Kyler said she didn't want a mask. So she says there was more to come with the costume that we didn't get to see. So based on that statement that I heard from her mouth, I'm willing to give it, I'm, I'm willing to reserve judgment. Let me put it that way. Till we see the whole thing, the finished product. Oh, now, I'm gonna, I'm going to judge it. That, that's <laughs> That's 100% going to happen. Um, I just want to point out uh, this quality pun uh, that Leslie put in the chat. Uh, Only the eye shadow. Shadow knows. I love that's, it. That's, that's a deep cut if you're a fan of the shadow. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. That's, that's... Uh, let's but see. the best thing, you see, wonderful thing about the sisterhood relationship is, and, and it's not just, I mean, we all have those big iconic scenes that we like, but it's the subtle little scenes that I just, you know, I love, and again, it goes back to, I think the actress's relationship and connection is that now by this time, they are so comfortable with one another on screen that they can do those things that makes it seem real and genuine. As much as it's been talked about and art and discussed and argued about, I'm wondering if Cara's reaction to Alex's new suit, how much of that was Cara and how much of that was Melissa, that they hid it from her, and it was Melissa seeing it. That, that, that might have been. Because, you know, because, yeah. I, I mean, as as corny as it was, that was probably one of the most authentic Danvers sisters moments we'd had in a long time, because she was genuinely excited for her sister. Yeah, it's just weird uh, for me to watch that, because the way she screamed uh-huh. was sort of the way I was feeling in inside but it kind of in a negative way i was like no what are you doing what is that um so but uh, but you know as car would support her sister so um, yeah Cara's so very supportive car was like i love the eyeshadow <laughs> <laughs> no she said the suit she didn't say anything. that's true that's true <laughs> that's very diplomatic of car she was like i love everything about that and, and even, <laughs> even David directed that episode. Somebody asked him on Twitter about it looked like that there were parts of that scene that were edited out. And he says there were. He said there were parts of that scene that they didn't even get to finish filming. And all. So they had to cut it because that's why it walked in and Alex's 
is parading around showing us the back of the costume like you know like she's doing a um a runway walk for Kara in the suit because one minute she's standing right next to her and the next minute she's across the room yeah you know? so it was yeah. <laughs> it was it was a very strange edit it was it was an odd edit <laughs> you know so I, yeah, I mean the, the oddness about it aside, I just thought it was it, it was a it was a genuine moment between the sisters, and like I said, she was genuinely uh, happy for her sister. I think that you know she knew Alex was feeling out of sorts. You know, Alex had been seven years or eight years or whatever she said with not going out with her gun and and all of that. So. You know, I did call it though. I did say that the suit would be instrumental in creating. I mean, the the wrist thing would be instrumental in creating the suit. Yeah, that's that's a good out uh, to make up an excuse about uh, maybe why something is not uh, maybe Finished. visually uh, <laughs> good looking. Ooh, that's it's, a good point. It's yeah, uh, you know, it's Martian it, technology. It it kind of just it's it on stretch. Yeah. <laughs> and she hasn't fully mastered it yet so that's, that's right maybe when she masters it it's gonna be like it's so it's gonna be so good yeah. <laughs> the makeup is gonna be yeah. so on point it's gonna be amazing um so donna let's get to some more questions because people are are really enjoying uh your thoughts here so um if you could write a whole book on just the danvers sisters um would you would you want to do that i could because there's because the the this book girl of steel only covers the first two seasons and so much has happened to this sisterhood in seasons three four and five so much and and i would focus too like on the missed opportunities for sister scenes that we've had and like, would, like what i'm just gonna jump in <laughs> um well all right let's go back season two of the episode alex which which is the it was the big cara maggie Thing where Alex was kidnapped and, and, they she, and she got out of it by um, utilizing her pants. One of the all time greats. Still <laughs> <Yeah>. reference it. <laughs> but um, after they rescue her and Alex wakes up in the med bay and Maggie's there. And I know that entire scene was designed for her and Maggie's first I love you. But given the whole context of the episode, it did not make sense to not have at least five or 10 seconds of when Alex woke up in the med bay, her sister was by her side saying, I'm glad you're all right, I love you. And then her looking up at Maggie, sort of giving her their her approval and then her stepping out and them saying, I love you. That's one big one. Another one where they made, missed a huge opportunity was in season three, the episode about pestilence when Alex and Wynn are both infected. And that whole episode had set up the parallel. Here's another sister parallel or a sibling parallel. Emra and her sister. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Emra wanted to kill Pestilence to save her sister. Kara kept telling her no. And Emra going to extremes to try to save her sister. And then Alex gets sick. Alex is almost dying. And Emra's watching tearfully outside, seeing how much Kara loves her sister. And yet that big moment, which should have been between Kara and Alex about 
an ill Alex saying, I don't want to die. I love you. And Carr saying, I'm going to do whatever I can to save you. And, and you just hang in there and you fight and what have you. That should have been between the sisters. They gave it to Wynn and James. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, that was part of, I guess, a little bit trying to get Wynn, um, you know, Wynn's storyline to depart the show. But yeah, I agree. I mean, that should have been a sister storyline. Yeah, definitely. They were like, they were like, we need something for these two to do. We forgot about them. <laughs> They never did a good job of trying to incorporate at least James in there. See, um, that was a, that was the perfect sister parallel. Emra yeah. and her sister and Kara and Alex. I mean, beautiful. Another one like the the Graves siblings. They they missed that opportunity. They have this incredible dynamic. They have this incredible acting team. Let them run with it. Go with your strengths. But then again, they they don't. They'll they'll make some of the oddest choices. Another, you know, I think another. I don't know if I would call it a sister moment, but another missed opportunity. I want to see Alex and Lillian go toe to toe. I'd be into that. <laughs> you know, reach it, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they made a big deal of it. All of these these veiled, you know, in, in the in the warehouse, in the bar. At, uh, at, you know, in the compound, it's like your family. I'll go after your family. I will go, you know, your father, or I will go after your family, or I will do this. And and Alex standing there toe-to-toe with Lillian and Brenda Strong, who I absolutely adore. But Alex saying, I killed Astra of L with a kryptonite sword just so you know what I'm capable of for anyone who comes after my family. And then they drop it. Cause Alex just wasn't into going out and looking for Jeremiah. She just, it was, uh, <laughs> she kind of <laughs> forgot about it. It was just not the right time. She had things to do. <laughs> but yeah, to answer, to answer uh, that question, I absolutely would because there is so much material to be covered in in three, four, and five. The the work dynamic, when Alex was in charge of the DEO and they put Cara in the suit and Cara disobeyed her and Alex came and, and ripped her a new one, just like she would any employee for disobeying an order. You know, it's on me now. If you die, it's on me. So, you know, there was that I see their relationship is when it started season one, Alex was the protector. Season two, when Alex came out, there was sort of a shift and Kara became the protector. In season three, they grew kind of as sisters and women. And in season four, they kind of continued that. But in, and, and I think what they have an opportunity to do here now, and there's, they started to set up in season five, and maybe we'll get to see in season six, is that to see them working now as partners. I want to see after all she's done for the Girl of Steel and the House of Krypton, I want to see Alex with the House of L crest on her uniform somewhere. Oh, yeah, we did have a question about that uh, from Bianca. Um, that's going to be a hard no for me, I think. <laughs> but uh, but I, I'll, I'd be curious, Donna, why, why you think that is... Uh... Something you I just think, I think it, it takes that dynamic 
kind of full circle is like they're sisters on earth let them be sisters on on argo or krypton you know i mean i i commissioned a piece of art with Kara putting the crest around alex's neck with kelly looking on i mean that's my that was one of my dream scenes Look at look at how proud Kara was of Alex when she introduced her to her mother. The the pride in her voice and the smile on her face. She says, "Mom, mom, this is Alex." You know, like this is the most important person in the world to me. And and that for however many years it had been, then Alex has done nothing but devoting her life to protecting the daughter of Krypton. So let Krypton honor her for it. Have when, when he came back from the future, tell them, just a throwaway line. You don't know it, but in, this, in the future, you're just as revered as your sister as being the protector of the daughter of Krypton. I, I think the idea of that is a good one. And I would agree with you that Alex, you know, has done a lot to, to help Kara. But for me personally, and I don't know, Morgan, how you feel about this, but Kara doesn't get enough focus on her on the show anymore the show doesn't the show the show doesn't care about supergirl they don't care about at least in my opinion they don't care care about telling supergirl stories they're not interested in focusing on car as a you know having episodes that uh you know are car centric anymore and so the idea of that the the struggle that i have with that as a supergirl fan extends to my my hard no about the crest because then <laughs> it extends to well, Kara's not even important enough on her own anymore. Someone else is going to come in and be Supergirl. So that I have issues with, but I un I understand like the idea of that, and I think it's I think it's a good one, and I think it you know it fits uh, their dynamic. I just think it takes away from from Supergirl, who already is losing storylines and has well, not I, been the focus of the show for a while. I will tell you in that same. Instagram live that Kyler and her husband did. She talked about that there was something coming up in that episode that we miss. Some honor or something or something that Alex gets because they were talking about the suit and some honor or some um, can't remember how she worded it, but it, it gave people the impression that maybe we were going to see her get that crest or the house of L. Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, if they do it fine, I will be a happy camper. If they don't do it fine, I will also be a happy camper as long as they keep telling strong sister connected stories. Those stories are the ones that resonate to me with the majority of the fans, you know, when yeah, the show was the stories that the fans want to see, honestly. Exactly. Exactly. That is the by far strongest and most important relationship on the show. I mean, I talk about, like I said, I keep going back to the book, but I talk about it. And that's the whole point of the essay. They are the heart and soul and foundation of that soul. Every show, everything else should be built around that. Yeah, no, I I, t I totally agree. Um, I'm just dreading the episode when Alex gets that 
that S shield on her. We don't, we don't know. What if it's like a little pin and they just like pin it on? Yeah, and yeah. Like, I mean, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Mor- Here Morgan, it is. it's going to be rough. Don't, don't <laughs> it's gonna you be rough. know how much fun Kyler had putting that suit on with the S and the cape? And, and you know, and, and, and in that context, it works. Yeah, I agree. In that, in that particular uh, crossover, I agree. And yeah. in that context, it, it worked. Yeah. No, no, don't, and, and all, or, or have, you know, I want another mid veil type episode. Oh, I 100. Would, they yeah, should all be mid veil type episodes. Right. Yeah. Why can't I, we have that? Or my dream episode is have, have what they call a bottle episode. And you have Kara and Alex somewhere together. There's a, uh, I don't know, a cave-in or a disaster or something, but they're trapped somewhere together. And Kara has doesn't have her powers. And they have to rely on each other and their their ingenuity and their strengths and working together to get out. And let it just be the two of them on screen for an hour. That'd be amazing. I, I, I feel like I pitch on Supergirl Radio all the time. Like, why don't we have a bottle character, like a bottle episode? Like, why don't we just follow one character for you have they have it's a full season. It's not like a Netflix show where they have 10 episodes. They have 22. Like we can take a break and follow, you know, have a, a just an Alex and Kara uh, episode and then check in with the rest of the cast next week. Like I I, I would love that kind of episode. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, I just want to see one with just the two of them, you know, because, you know. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's a good idea. I love it. Look, have Kara take Alex to Argo City. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think I think new Rachel's idea uh, about a bottle episode that takes place in the Bottle City I'll is a see. good one because good in, one. In, in the comics, um, uh, the characters of uh, Flamebird and Nightwing go into the Bottle City of Candor, and they could assume that the mantles of Flamebird and Nightwing and go down into the Bottle City. I would be 100% on board with that. I think that would be an amazing episode. I think we just wrote an episode of the show, and they should yeah. use it. Uh, cause that's Once again, great. pitching free ideas, everywhere. free ideas, just, I mean, floating <laughs> yeah. everywhere. I know. I mean, it's, it, it's a shame. I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, you know, you've, you've seen some of the fanfic and, and, and the stories that people pitch out there. People have some great ideas that unfortunately, because of legalities, the, the writers that are on social media and things they can't legally look at or listen to. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. All yeah. of our pitching is literally on deaf, deaf ears. <laughs> deaf get... ears, literally. <laughs> and they would they all be so listen. good. They would all be quality <sighs> episodes. Oh, absolutely. But but I would love... They're free that... ideas. They could just take them. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cheap idea, you know? I mean, you could do what, you know, have, have you know, one of them... It's a it's a cheap trick, and it's and shows do it all the time, but put one of them in a comb and the other one sitting there talking to them. Remember when we did this and did this and did this and did this to bring them back, you know, kind of thing. So it's 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 wild. It's um, but there are so many so many um, uh, possibilities, and like I said. But then again, they'll take a story. They'll have a great opportunity, a great storyline, and then they'll drop the ball by not giving us that payoff scene, like. The at the the car and Alex in the med bay after Alex. That was the payoff scene. That the whole argument, that whole episode had been 
who loved her more, Maggie or Cara? When the fact was they loved her equally and differently. Then show that at the end, you know, and yeah. they went the other way. So it, yeah, I, there's some of them. I may give them a passport. Some of them, no, uh, that those were such missed golden opportunities. Now hold them accountable, Donna. Hold them accountable. <laughs> let them let them know. As long as we're pitching, I want. Yeah, yeah. I want a Danvers Sisters karaoke. Yes. Have they have they not sung karaoke together before? No, I so. <gasps> Gas. Cara sings karaoke with I feel like every every other person. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and here, I mean, you want to get really cheesy with it? Have them sing like sisters from White Christmas or something. Oh, that would be cute, actually. That would be cute. That'd be into that. You know, but they both have such beautiful voices. Let them sing together. You know, they, they, from what we hear, you know, they're always singing on set and 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 what have you. Give us a, a and and some of the some great moments of the show, not just Danvers sisters, but some just great overall moments have happened at karaoke night. Yep, yep, true. Uh, Claudia says uh, she'd want to see a, a Danvers Midvale type episode that shows when they decided to head to National City. Yeah, that's. That's a, a history of their relationship that has not been explored yet. Why did they go to National City? Why did Cara want to pursue that job at Catco? You know, those kinds of things. Well, I have yeah. a bit of trivia for you. Do you know in the season one, I believe it's the season one DVDs, the deleted scenes, there's a scene like that. Oh, it's oh, been really? a while since I've watched all that yeah. stuff. Uh, season one DVD, season one DVD. There's a deleted scene where Kara comes to see Alex, and Alex is laying there in her apartment, passed out, and she's got a letter from the school that she's about to get kicked out of school. Kara's in like some barista uniform, and they're talking about it or something. But here's the thing. The apartment that is Alex's apartment in that scene is what is now Cara's law. So <laughs> Cara booted her out. <laughs> Alex had it first. That's so funny. Alex had it. It was Alex's apartment first, or it was Alex's loft first, and then it it's Cara's because they they talk about something about her taking the apartment when Alex went off to study somewhere or something. But they talk about it. I mean, it's a great scene, and I understand why they cut it, but it still was very telling that, oh, hey, Alex had the apartment first. Well, they might have. I wonder if they lived together, if they were roommates, and then Alex was like, I cannot live with this alien anymore. I've got to get my own place. <laughs> I mean, I mean, could you, that, that loft is really nice, but there are no walls. So like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's going to test any sister relationship. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, Cara, Cara sometimes in the comics, I think in the Sterling Gates run, she like has a bad dream and she wakes up and like, she's heat visioned, you know, the walls and stuff just because like she, she has a bedroom. So uh, I can imagine something like that probably would have happened. Not getting that security deposit back. <laughs> no. I have y'all noticed, I mean, I love it and I love the couch scenes, but the upholstery on that couch has changed. Oh, I did not notice that. I haven't noticed it. Yeah. Go back, go back and look. It, it, it was a light color and then it was a dark color. And I think it's a light color now. 
How yeah. is Cara like affording to buy all these new couches? I mean, that's I mean, quite an investment. That pulls her money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so doesn't she tell Nia in one episode that it was rent controlled or something? Hmm. That 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 her apartment was rent controlled. I mean, it's a pretty nice apartment, so I, I guess I buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the configuration changes. It's like going where the TV is as opposed to where the bedroom is. It it changes. It it switches around. Maybe Car is one of those people who likes to like uh like just change way. up. Yeah, change up the uh the layout <laughs> of her apartment every so often to keep things fresh. And it would be easy for her because moving things is not much of a problem. No, she would she would be able to lift couches and do them very you know fast. <laughs> Car is so. looking up all those interior design blobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, uh, it's it's great, you know. It's it's it would be interesting. It would be interesting. So um, I guess uh, so. We've we've been going for about an hour, Donna. So I guess we can sort of get to some of the uh, the 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 questions that we probably should hit uh, before we let you go. Um, so you did talk about some of your favorite uh, Danver sisters moments and scenes, um, and I guess we sort of talked about season five and the current state of the Danver sisters. Uh, Morgan, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Because uh, I know we we've talked about that, but we haven't talked about it specifically in terms of the Danvers sisters, I don't think. Um, but what are your, what are your thoughts on the season? Like after season five ended, what's the current state of the Danvers sisters? The state of the Danvers sisters. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that season six needs to like refocus on the, on the Danvers sisters. I feel like we lost them in season Man. five. We lost a lot of things in season five, um, but we got Leviathan. So what a well, trade! Lost, in my opinion, we lost the Danvers sisters in season two. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. happened a little bit in season two, definitely. And I, then, and 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 I understand the story they were trying to tell and how important it was to tell it, but I think they forgot an important aspect of that story. So we lost a little bit of Alex, and we lost a little bit of Alex and Kara. The scenes that I mean, my favorite scenes from season two, you know that I'm, I'm proud of you scene, which uh, Rebecca and I were talking earlier, Morgan. I, I think you have a script, don't you? I do. Can I, you know I it? managed to um, Ooh. <laughs> copy. This is the script for Changing, which is the scene where Alex comes, I mean, the episode where Alex comes out. And it's just a testament to how good, again, the actresses are. Because the entire scene, that last scene where Cara comes into Alex's apartment and says, I made a mistake and she doesn't like me that way and all of that. I cannot begin to tell you how much they brought to that scene. Because on the written page in the script, it's maybe a one-page scene with very little uh, direction or exposition. It just says... uh, like um, it says interior Alex's apartment. Alex's place is pretty Spartan, but tasteful like her. She's sitting on the couch, her arms around the knees, like she's rocking herself. And there's a knock on the door. Then it's go away, Cara. And then a beat. Cara flies in through the window. Alex doesn't move. More dialogue. Alex gets up and starts getting ready after she says, you're right. I should go in. 
few more lines, a few more lines, you know, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said anything. I should have kept my mouth shut. Alex, what happened? Alex takes a beat fighting back tears. She doesn't like me like that. Now, we all know how that line was delivered and these lines were delivered. And then it, the line just says, I'm so ashamed. And we know how she struggled to get that out. And it, it says, Kara hugs her sister as the tears come. And the scene ends off Alex holding on to her sister for dear life. And that's it. That's the end of the scene as it was written. And if you think back as to how that scene ended up on film, how much they brought to that scene. You know, it's, it's. Yeah, good actors are always going to elevate the uh, written material, but um, that's still yeah. pretty moving to hear um, just from the, the written word. Um, yeah, they 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 crush that scene, and they and they do every time that you put them together and you give them big emotional stuff. Like in that episode about Jeremiah, <laughs> I was very confused, uh, <laughs> but like Kyler kills it. I was like, I don't know why she's yelling, but I'm here on this journey with with her, <laughs> and I think I think if I can be like moved by a scene in which I am confused and don't understand, um, then how much better would it be if the story made sense? And if they focus <laughs> and if they focused on the characters, like I think season six needs to get back to, I think they, hopefully they're taking their time. They've got a long time mm -hmm. uh, to regroup and see what wor didn't work in season five. And to me, it was that season five was so I scattered. Focus it in on the characters. I mean, I will tell you, there is an, uh, a spoiler TV uh, roundtable coming out soon about the last two episodes of the season and sort of an overview of the season. And one of the questions is, you know, where it's going in season six. I'm going to tease a little bit of one of the questions and I'm going to pose it to you ladies as, a, as it was posed to me in that round table. Is it time for CatCo to go the way of the DEO? We That's would lose that question. desk. And we would lose the desk and God, so many people have lived there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many good people have lived under that desk. Um, at this point, though, I mean, I think that there definitely could be an argument made for for losing that as a as like a location of the show, because um, because we know that Kara doesn't go to work ever. Um, and now Nia doesn't either. Kara has corrupted like the youth of, of CatCo. Uh, I knew it was going to be a problem. It's not, even, it's not even CatCo anymore. It's Obsidian. It's, yeah, it's mostly Obsidian. Um, I'm not sure what Andre Rojas does there except make commercials. Um, so yeah, I think I think that they're, they, they might have an interest if they keep Andre Rojas around for next season and who knows what they're doing with anything. Um, but there could be like an interesting... Uh, concept, which is kind of what I wanted them to do with the DEO, which is like the everybody leaves the DEO and the DEO becomes evil. And they could do something similar with CatCo, where it's like uh, Andre Rojas like kind of takes over CatCo and makes it into like um, you know more of an Obsidian type of shady uh, shady company, um, and then sort of 
Kara is kind of fighting back from the sidelines. It's Catco doesn't really feel like a media company anymore. It feels like they make apps and products. Uh, it's a we watched a whole season about their product, their unsuccessful product launch. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Leslie makes a good point that I always argued for because I think, and we've talked about this, Morgan, that the the show has endpoints that they could use, and they don't seem to do it like with Alex and the director of the DEO, like maybe that should have been her endpoint. Uh, Leslie uh, reiterates something that I've always pitched that at some point Caro would become the Catco CEO, that she would become the cat grant of Catco. Um, yeah. And that's always where I've seen her going. And yeah, so if they that. got, if they got rid of Catco, that would, that, that loses also part of Cara's human life. Yeah. So yeah. Then it would yeah. just be all Supergirl stuff. So yeah. what would Cara be doing? Let me ask you this. Didn't wasn't there a storyline in the comics once that Clark Kent and Lois Lane left the Daily Planet and they went and became television reporters? Yes. Uh that was with WGBA uh WGBS. And uh personally for me, I always thought that was kind of dumb. Why did Clark Kent get on camera? That was <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest thing that I've ever uh, uh, thought about in terms of that character, but yes, that has happened in the comics. Uh, that they they did sort of become and and given today's and given today's society, there is a new journalism. So, couldn't there be another journalism platform? Well, Car could just start a YouTube channel. That's that's where I get most of my news. I'm going to be honest. Like I love my YouTube channels. Um, and some of those, uh, like the new, when people talk about new media, to me, that's, yeah, that's, Cara that's could, YouTube. Car could start back up her blob, uh, <laughs> cardanvers.com. Uh, <laughs> she's like, this is me for cardanvers.org. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, but I, I, I do like the idea of her. I, I've never had a problem with Catco. I like Catco. Um, I think that they just, it doesn't, it's never focused on enough. I would love it if we saw Cara like work like what if she started working her way up the ladder by showing up um and doing stuff her yeah. just herself or or maybe like with one other person instead of having like william come in and be like look at all this research i did and she's like good job and then she walks out and that's her catco scene it's like what if the what if the catco storylines actually focused on cara then i would be i would love more stuff. and i would that's I would crazy that. that's crazy <laughs> I would agree with that, but it's, you know, but I think when you get getting back to your original question about what to see in, in season six, I wholeheartedly agree that it needs to get back and focus on what do they call them? The OTG, the, the Cara and, and Alex and Jean hmm. get back to that, to that core group, that core family, that dynamic that is so strong and that has held the show up for all of these seasons. Give them a good storyline. Focus on that. You know, my biggest fault or my biggest problem with, and as much as I love, and I'm, and the acting was phenomenal from Brenda Strong and from Katie McGrath and from John Cryer, there were, it was more Luther's than it was Supergirl. And and get get back to that. Get back to that core group. Get back to there. You know something else that this show has never done? Now they did it this season with Jeremiah, but I don't consider that part of, but every other Arrowverse show 
has had to deal with the death of a, a major character. In other words, a recurring character. Arrow killed uh, Black Canary. It was the worst mistake they ever made. <laughs> Arrow killed it killed the, It killed the show. <laughs> the ratings tanked. Arrow they never Laurel. recovered. Yeah. Um, Rebecca has no opinions about this. Flash has killed Wait, a character. Legends has killed characters. But yeah, Super Legends Girl, is bloodthirsty. <laughs> Supergirl has never had, you know, have Kara deal with something that is like, that is beyond her control as Supergirl. Something she could, someone she couldn't save, something that she couldn't permit. They touched a little bit of it in season one with, with having Kelly jump off the balcony, the building. R.I.P. Kelly. R.I.P. Never forget. (laughs) But they have never dealt with her dealing with something that was beyond her control. This is why they need to listen to Supergirl radio. I have been <laughs> pitching this for like four you seasons really now. Have. Yeah. Because there is a storyline in the comics where Supergirl tries to cure a little boy of cancer. And that is something that you could totally do something like that where Supergirl can't fix an illness or can't heal, you know, heal, heal somebody. So I'm just saying, listen to Supergirl radio. We've got all the ideas. Well, okay. and- you know, and, and if y'all if y'all want to just have one session of just a pitch session, I'll come back and we'll we'll you know we can spend two hours pitching. No, we've done that. We've done that. Yeah, that's, we, we have. That's how we um we pitched a uh, nasty Luther. I was I saying, and one day we will get nasty Luther <laughs> on the show. There are no bad ideas ideas in brainstorming. That's true. Um, so I guess since we're talking about storylines, uh, really quickly, this this is kind of a big deal. So I I know we're kind of getting long uh but the adoption storyline oh uh, yeah with, uh, alex <laughs> adopting a baby uh donna what are your thoughts about how that sort of came up and then it seems to have gotten pushed back down what are your thoughts i think it's still on the table um i want to remember a san diego comic-con roundtable interview that kyler and ozzy did where Kyler and them both talk about how they sat down with them and said, we have a long-term plan for Alex to become a mother and that we're going to start it in season five and continue it in season six. I cannot find the interview. <laughs> I know it's out there. I want to say that. But Who told here, them that? <laughs> it, but here's, here's my thought is... If they are going to do an Alex as a mother storyline, and I think they need to, or they will eventually, that would bring Alex's story full circle, is that have Alex adopt an alien child. And by child, I mean child, not an infant, not a baby, a child, an alien child whose parents are killed, something, then then you have someone coming to Alex with another abandoned alien child for her to take care of and use her experience in helping raise Kara. 
And well, the the tragedy is that they were basically doing that in season three. They, they were so setting close. that up with Ruby, and because of all that Andrew Kreisberg in, stuff, in season three, it got rewritten. I, th- I I firmly believe it got rewritten. I don't have any I'm, insider I'm knowledge. I'm positive that uh, Sam was well, the to make it. I did <laughs> yeah, too because yeah. I agree with y'all on that. I think so. I loved the scenes with Kyler and the little girl. I thought they were wonderful. It was showing a different side of Alex. And and it was the perfect setup. It it really was. And and I and I'm like you, Rebecca. I think the Kreisberg stuff caused a lot of that to be rewritten and it ended. I do think they're going to go back to it. I just think we have to have a little patience with them. And I'm hoping that they take the time, like y'all said, they've got plenty of time to now sit down and really look and evaluate as to what has worked and what hasn't and which way they need to go. It just kind of feels like to me, like they're going further away from the idea of Alex. Exactly. So Leslie makes a good (laughs) point that I was just about to make, which is Alex is now a vigilante. Uh, That doesn't seem like a safe career for a single mother. I mean, I guess not single. She's with Kelly now, but still not a a safe career when you're like bringing a new child. To my point is I didn't like them calling her a vigilante to begin with. Yeah, but that's, I, what they call, but that's what they all called it in all of the interviews. Yeah, I think like a watchtower of- role would have made would have been a natural transition to her post the DEO would have maybe seemed safer. Like yeah. she's a detective and she's like, you know, she's helping manage them, which her management skills in the DEO yes. would have helped with her, her leadership skills and leadership stuff. skills. Yes. And, and also she wouldn't be in the field like, you know, tossing it up with gods and like her 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 powers are gun and eyeshadow it's not it's, it's not a safe well, now, environment you know, she, did, she did in the battle with the first battle that she and magan have with the with the god she did use the 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 thing to create the rocket launcher she shot at the wall yeah that was cool yeah that was cool um it, it cracks me up because I follow, and, and some friends of mine and I follow the the Lisa Chandler, who is uh, Kyler's stunt double. We follow her on Twitter and things, but she's also uh, uh, Nicole's stunt double. She doubles Dreamer. Oh, I didn't know. So that. I'm wondering in that in that fight scene where Dreamer and Alex are fighting side by side, which one was Lisa and which one was somebody else? <laughs> you know. Well, uh, Morgan, uh, you'll you'll enjoy this. So Riley has a pitch about Alex and the child. Alex and yes. Hope really bond after the fall of Leviathan, and Lena decides to help help and uploads Hope to a brain dead child who, who Alex adopts. Now that is a little grim. This is grim, but I love it <laughs> because what, what if Alex? What if Alex then has to teach Hope to like be a human and like not to be so murderous? It's like. <laughs> And could you imagine how cra- like we we would get like a just a thread of horror through Supergirl because <laughs> suddenly there'd be like a little kid that'd be like, oh, that would be so Hello, scary, mommy. Should we kill Supergirl? And she's like, no, we've talked about this. Hope. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, it, it, it kills me is that is that the crisis reset erased every bad deed done in the first half of season five. Including my girl Hope. <laughs> Including your girl Hope. That's you know, funny. I love, I love Andrea Brooks. I had the pleasure of speaking to her um, when Rachel Scarston and Paul Amos did that home con. Oh, at, yeah. 
and they offered um, you could buy a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call, much like at the different cons, you could buy a Zoom call where it was just you and the star for five minutes. And I got one with Andrea. And she was just delightful. And and we were as I was asking and teasing, well, well, is it is it, you know, is the Eve we saw, is it Eve or is it hope? You know, when they teased at uh, that she was at obsidian, you know that they didn't make her full on evil, but she was just delightful to talk to. She was, she loves the show. It's clear that everybody on the show just loves the show, loves being on the show and, and what, you know, a lot they bring to you. And, and I actually believe that comes across on screen and it starts at the top. It starts with, with Kyler and Melissa as the Denver sisters. They're, they're the, they're the anchor that the rest of the show revolves around. They need to get back to that in season six. Find them, find them some good storyline, whether it's, you know, like I said, I really wish they hadn't called Alex a vigilante. I, there, there had to be another word for it, but I'm not sure what it was. So if for lack of a better term, that's, you know, what she is. But, you know, I've seen all kinds of names thrown out there. And I'll, I, I don't know what they're going to come up with. Um, is that going to eventually, you know, when things settle okay. down, and, <laughs> when things settle down with all the losers and all, is that going to cause problems with her relationship with Kelly? Is Kelly going to get scared again? Are they going to, you know, I explore that? Well, no, I mean, Kelly's going to become guardian. We all know this. She's going to lead the News Gal Legion. We we believe it, and we're putting that out into the universe, <laughs> the secret. Like, <laughs> well, let me put it this way, uh, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but uh, no, nah, I better anyway. Yeah, Dad, don't don't put yourself on the line for us. It's it's not. Uh, it, it, it's it's. I, Are it, you trying to tell us that the New Scout Legion is coming in season six? No. Bl blink blink once for yes, two for no. <laughs> My comments were more on the lines of this iteration of the Guardian. Oh, yeah. Is it going to be Hornblower? Because that would make me so happy. <laughs> if Kelly found a horn in James's oh stuff. Could you imagine her being like, Alex, I found this horn and is it magic? <laughs> does, does it have portals that I can create? Yeah, no. Uh, I just about, Free um, ideas. <laughs> talked about, about where the the sister relationship was now. And I think one big change from season two to, to now is as much as I adored Alex and Maggie together, Maggie never really felt like part of the team, part of the family. She was always a little bit of the outsider. And with Kelly, I think it's, it's a, Alex has, has grown into herself more and is more self-assured about herself. So she's, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a mature relationship. But then, too, Kelly is part of the inner circle. She's part of the family. So there wasn't that of her having to fit in because she already fit in. She was already there. She was already part of it. So... Um, but I would like to see more, you know, maybe more Kelly and Cara scenes. You know, Cara says, oh, yeah. oh let's go have big belly burgers. Well, so lunch. that leads into a good question that a couple of people <laughs> in the chat are putting out there. Um, 
Does Kelly know that car that uh Kara is Supergirl? I does anyone know this? Does anyone I know. know this? <laughs> Does I, Kelly I, know the car is Supergirl? Look at everybody, everybody, hey, if anybody has an answer, I'd like to know. Um, one scene they'll give you, and it's like she has to know. But then another scene, it's like, well, maybe she doesn't. And if not, or if she does, why did they deny us the scene of her telling Alex she knows? Yeah, that's a big deal. It's it, it's such a huge a, deal for the show. And we shouldn't not know where she is. And I kind of feel like that's a... Unfortunately, I like the Alex and Kelly relationship, but I feel like the show doesn't always care about it so much. And that's kind of one of the, one of the, the signs is that like we don't even know if Kelly knows that Kara is Supergirl. See, I have, a, I have one theory on that is that James and all his activity as guardian and all of this, I think he told her and it's just never been revealed that she knows. I, I think the horn, blo- I, I think the horn gave, <laughs> gave her some sort of clue. I think the phone call in the finale when she's, she's in with Cara and Lena's lab and Kelly calls, and Alex turns and yells at Kara, no super hearing! With the phone <laughs> right there! Yeah, even even if she knew pre-crisis, <laughs> does she know post-crisis? So those, those, there are so many questions about this, Kelly and Kara. In this wacky post-crisis, post-Amade world that we all live in. Yeah, <laughs> Can mean, we be sure of anything? <laughs> that's, that's, see, I think, I, I know. I don't know, point. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> for years <laughs> it was the glasses and it, it had to be the glasses you know it was like <laughs> yeah oh who who's who are we talking to now yeah. <laughs> um well i guess that's a good in uh note to end on that we just have no idea what's happening uh on the show <laughs> um so uh, uh i guess donna what would you want to leave people uh with in terms of your thoughts about the book or your thoughts about the Danvers sisters, what what would you want to leave people with tonight? Just, you know, my main focus on the show are the Danvers sisters. That is, you know, it, it's cliched, but it's true. They are the heart and soul of that show. And I love their relationship. I love the characters. They have allowed these characters to grow so much in five seasons. I'd like to see where they're going next. I'd like to focus on it. I would invite everybody, the book is available on amazon.com and it is also available at uh, barnesandnoble.com. You can order it. I also have, and I'm gonna give these to you, um, Rebecca, I'm gonna send these to you. I have some bookmarks that I made. So I'm I'm gonna donate some bookmarks and y'all can give them away any way y'all would like, and I will sign them and send them to you. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely give them. I, give them I out appreciate you know I appreciate it. I was honored to be asked to to work on the book. It was it was a little enlightening enlightening for me, uh, you know, to to do all the research and to dive into really just how much went into it. 
Um, I would invite people, if people have any questions about the book or any questions about the Danvers sisters, you know me, we've, we've served on many um, Dragon Con panels about Supergirl. I am always willing to talk about the Danvers sisters. So if somebody wants us to reach out to me on Twitter, just it's at DJ Ryder on Twitter. And it, yeah, there you go. Um, and I will talk Danvers sisters all day. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for having me on and for letting me talk about the book and talk about my favorite characters on Supergirl. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming back and uh, for talking to us about the book and your thoughts about the the current state of the Danvers sisters, because we we talk about that quite a bit. Uh, Well, I think that's going to do it for our chat with Donna Cromines about the book Girl of Steel essays on television, Supergirl and fourth wave feminism. Uh, And I guess, Donna, we've already talked about where people can find you. Um, Are there any websites or anything that you want to also put out there aside from your Twitter? No, um, like I said, just just my Twitter is the best way to find me. Now I do watch for my articles, and and there will be an article coming out about the final two two episodes of Supergirl, a Supergirl roundtable, sometime soon on Spoiler TV. Um, it has been written, and and I think they're just waiting to post it at, at an appropriate time. And um, just keep watching the show, and keep you know keep loving the show. They have done, you know, great things with these characters. So there's there's so much more they can do, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. Well, cool. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to leave a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. We're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We've got a musical playlist there in case you uh, ever want to listen to the music from the show or inspired by uh, the music on the show. Uh, we're also on Radio Public and Podchaser, and we're on uh, dccomics.com slash dc-fans, which is the DC's fan page. Uh, we're also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you've got some time this summer and you're not, you know, <laughs> you've, got, you've, got a, you've got a few minutes, hey, why don't you go over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Radio and give us a rating and write us a review. Uh, that would be great. Um, and you can go to supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page and find any of the links that I just mentioned. And now, Morgan, I know you're 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 dreading mm. this, but I, right. I think you should do the I've, DC TV plugs for us. I've been preparing. I've been preparing. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm going to plug the DC TV other podcasts. That's what they're called, the, the DC TV other podcasts. <laughs> What are they, you might ask? Don't worry. Here I go telling you. Uh, You can also listen to The Flash Podcast, Supergirl Radio. Hey, that's us. Legends of Tomorrow Podcast. I'm on that one, too. Uh, (laughs) The Black Lightning Podcast. The Titans Podcast. The Batwoman Podcast. All kinds of crazy news going on about that one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Who will be Batwoman? No one knows. (laughs) Stargirl Podcast. Superman and Lois Radio. Green Lantern Podcast. And Strange Adventures Podcast. Those are the many podcasts we have, and you should listen to all of them. You're saying, Morgan, that's too many podcasts and i'm saying just do it (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a great plug thank you very much um you can also go to dctvpodcast.com slash fundraiser where you can find information about our our fundraiser on june 20th we're going to be raising money for feeding america so we have an all-day 
a long podcasting event. It's going to be live. It's going to be at mixler.com slash DCTV podcasts. So uh, visit the website. You can go ahead and donate if you would like to, if you're, if that's something that you are able to do. And you can also find the schedule for uh, all of the, the shows that are when they're going to be on at what time. Uh, Supergirl Radio is going to be the penultimate hour before the big um, uh, assembly hour is what we call it. And uh, I'll be having a, a guest because Morgan, unfortunately, will not be able to join me. But um, I'm going to bring Dave Jones back on. We've had him on the podcast. Oh, exciting. Um, he's, he's a lot of fun. Um, we talk, I think last time he was on, we talked about Tom Cruise movies. And Amazing! That was, it was delightful. <laughs> was it? Was it like the uh, the all Top Gun hour of Supergirl yes, Radio? <laughs> yes, it, it involved Top Gun. I think there was a cocktail mention. Uh, so uh, if you enjoyed that, uh, Dave Jones will be back talking about uh, season five with me. Uh, so definitely go to dctvpodcast.com slash fundraiser for all that information because it's uh, it's coming up faster than uh, you know. My God, June! I can't I know. believe it. <laughs> what happened to the the months? It's crazy. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I also voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest, which you should check out. It's very funny. I'm also a contributor to Justice League Universe podcast, and I just recently recorded an audio commentary with uh, Sam Otten of JLU Podcast uh, about Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. So that was the second time I had watched the film, and uh, I still had some beef with a couple things, but I enjoy, enjoyed more things than I thought. Uh, we, we actually really, I think we cracked, cracked some things open about the Birds of Prey film. So it's definitely nice. worth a listen if you want to go back and uh, watch the film with us. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find my cats, as Rebecca mentioned, <laughs> at the Lab Cats on Instagram. They're just being cats. They're just being kittens. <laughs> uh, and you can also find me as the co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which um, is is the their season is ending shortly, but uh, it's right. one of the few sh shows that actually got to film their finale. So that should be fun. Just like a whole season of television. That'll be a change. <laughs> That would indeed. Uh, that's very refreshing to actually get a, to watch a show start to finish. That's why I'm enjoying Stargirl so far, because I think Stargirl finished. I think it did. Yeah. So, I believe they did. It's, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, a, it's well done. Yeah. I mean, I know this is a Supergirl podcast, but I would also recommend that other blonde girl with, <laughs> the, <laughs> with the powers. And the red and blue suit. Yeah. Yeah. The Stargirl. Stargirl's been pretty good so far. Uh, the pilot's a little rough around the edges, but it's it's a good story, at least. Um, so anyway, uh, that's it. for This is not Stargirl Radio. Uh, no. So I got <laughs> to remember what podcast we're on. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until uh, next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we'll leave you with this quote from Donna's essay. There is no doubt that Supergirl's greatest superpower is the sisterhood of steel. Yeah.